stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome to Administrative Static. This is John Vecchioni. Uh, we are not joined this week by Mark Chenoweth, but we are joined by our uh, other regular co-host, Janine Eunice, who joins us today with our colleague, Kara Rollins, to uh, discuss an amicus brief uh, that NCLA is filing on a very important issue of administrative law that has uh, really been um, used unjustly, I think, by the government for a very long time. Carol, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? And can you tell, so what are we doing and what's the problem? Uh, so it's a case that's up for uh, merits briefing before the Supreme Court called Corner Post versus Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System. And it sort of touches on an issue that a lot of people are probably familiar with, credit card fees, right? So they call them interchange fees. Every time you swipe your card, there's amount of money um, that gets transferred, all of that's set by regulation. That regulation was passed originally in 2011. We don't talk about the merits. It's sort of real in the weeds um, on banking stuff. But what happened was Corner Post, which is, uh, I believe, a, a gas station in North Dakota, which was formed in 2018. Um, so what's that? Seven years after the rule was passed is challenging this rule and the interchange fees that are associated with it because it costs them millions of dollars a year. Um, and so... They bring a lawsuit ch charging, you know, various violations of the law under the APA. Case gets kicked out on a statute of limitations, right? And so statute of limitations are sort of the idea that you can't bring a case at any time. You have to bring it with a certain time period against the government. Um, but the real language in this statute is that the trigger is from the time the injury accrues. So the fight is, well... And the government and the lower courts agreed the fight or the, the injury started to accrue in 2011 when the regulation was passed, even though the business didn't exist at the time. And so they had six years to file. So the six years to file a case would have occurred and ran before 2018 when they formed. Um, they filed their action in 2021 within the you know, six-year period since... From their existence. From their existence and when they would have, the injury would have occurred, would have started to accrue. And so that's the big fight. And what's happened over time is the vast majority of the circuits in the country have said, yeah, that's right, too bad, so sad. Um, but the Sixth Circuit, which is sort of the, the Midwest, um, has long said, well, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Certainly, if you're injured by a regulation... The accrual runs from the time of the injury. That's just sort of logical. Um, and so there's this circuit split, and that's why the case is being taken. The Eighth Circuit and Corner Post went with the majority of circuits. The Sixth Circuit is still out there um, doing its own thing, which I, we argue is the correct method in order to allow people, particularly individuals and regulated parties, to access the courts for judicial review. And, of course, people are filing in the Sixth Circuit because... <laughs> Just like just like in in uh, you know plaintiffs law, people file in states that have long statute of limitations. If no, they have to. that's actually not the case. So I've wow. had some conversations with different folks Why that not? practice in this area, 
Nobody knows why not, but there hasn't been this like influx of cases in the Sixth Circuit that are after time. Part of it might just be you have to be able to show ties in the Sixth Circuit to challenge the regulation. But generally speaking, there isn't some sort of like watershed amount of cases being filed there. And that's sort of a consistent thing that other practitioners in this area that have looked at this issue have told me because they said, well, you know, what does it look like? Is it going to cause this flood? And they said, actually, we haven't seen that in the Sixth Circuit. There's well, that's not. Good. So, I mean, that that I think is persuasive. And I can't remember, but, you know, that might have actually shown up in the, the corner post brief. But certainly folks around town here were talking about that of like there isn't this pro- that problem. And what is NCLA's position? What do we what do we say? Well, you know, one of the things of the government and we've seen this all of us in our practice, the government always like makes these like just really sort of awful arguments sometimes of like, well, you know, court, you don't have to hear this case because X, Y, and Z. And, you know, in this instance, they said, well, you know, it's out of the statute of limitations. Oh, and by the way, they can get judicial review in other ways. Here's other ways they can get judicial review. They can wait for us to do an enforcement action against them, which, by the way, that's always a bad idea to wait to break the law in order to, you know, vindicate your rights. That's a dangerous proposition to be in. I mean, we do defense work here all the time. Once the government is in that position, it's nearly impossible to win, generally speaking. They just have all these resources and advantages. The other one that they do, and we talk a lot about it in our brief, is they say, well, you can use the APA, the Administrative Procedure Act, to uh, petition the government to amend, uh, revoke, or otherwise modify a rule. And that's one of the things that we focus on our brief is at the end of the day, and this is based both on recent case law, um, some research I've done, as well as the experiences here at NCLA, it's a totally hollow promise. Because the petition right that comes with the APA, which is, you know, it's, I think it's like 15 words. You can petition. And what agencies do, they just sit on these petitions. They never act on them. So how do you get into court for judicial review? The agency never acts. We have to wait some magical mystery amount of time. And then you file a lawsuit under the APA saying the agency has delayed their review of this petition. And the courts are all over the map on this. And they will, and they will often, as I recall dismiss the case, like even six months, like six, if you've waited six months and there's been no response, you can just have your case dismissed. But the flip side is true because there's cases where five months was considered unreasonable delay because the government was ultimately thinking about the rule for two years. So it's, it's kind of a, 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 a bad excuse. There's cases where six over six months was unreasonable, but in another case over, or sorry, I said six years over six years wasn't unreasonable. And, you know, it's sort of a Goldilocks problem, as we say it. And so what do you win if you win an undue delay on your petition? You get to go back to the agency. They have to fashion some sort of response. And then you get to go back to the court if you're unsatisfied with their response. And it's highly deferential review. So this whole system that they say is, oh, this is an alternate route that they could have followed can literally eat up the better part of a decade, all the while corner post will be paying whatever interchange fees it has a problem with. And so, you know, and even in some other sort of context, Justice Kavanaugh said in another case on these petitions, he called the petition process just absolutely convoluted for this exact reason. Um, I guess the, the argument on the other side is that this is statutory and that the courts can't, um, can't change the statute, which has six years from the um, from the uh, uh, in the publish publication of the regulation, 
But it strikes me that that's true. The six years they can't mm-hmm. change. But when the cause of action accrues does strike me as a, a matter of, of judicial competence. Unless well, Yeah, because at some point an injury occurs and it seems odd to look at an individual litigant, like in this case, corner post and say, your injury occurred seven years before your company was formed. I mean, there, there's no sort of logic I can get to other than the logic of the government always wins. Plus, if you didn't have standing, like I think we do this all the time because you just you just said it. The government tries to keep everybody out of court. If, if I didn't like the regulation and I went in there and said, I don't like this regulation. I want you to strike it down. They'd say, well, Mr. Vecchioni, do you run a credit card organization? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. Goodbye. Right. So what would I do? Even if I mean. Well, and that that is one of the things that, you know, we also talk about in our in our brief sort of more generally about why it's really important for the court to effectively adopt the Sixth Circuit's reading of this is there's all these other ways that the agencies constantly say what I did isn't subject to litigation either just yet or ever. And so, you know, they'll say, oh, well, our action wasn't final agency action, right? That's a trigger that allows judicial review. It wasn't final yet. Or it was committed wholly to our discretion. Um, in the tax context, we have this thing called the Anti-Injunction Act. I know it's your bugaboo mm-hmm. of sorts. Um, and then, you know, these other sort of statute of limitations that come in. But there's all these ways that the government tries to kick the cases on things other than the merits. And, you know, as litigators, right, we have to do right by our clients. So I can sort of respect that on, on some sort of base level. But when it's the government doing it, you're sort of left with this feeling of like, what is the government worried about having these actually heard on the merits before an independent judge? Right. And um, so what what else do we, um, does the Anti-Injunction Act come in here at all? We sort of raise the Anti-Injunction Act in terms of here's all the other ways the government messes with this, oh, it's right? A- and so, like, the reason it's important to have the the accrual be six years from the time of the injury, not the time the regulation was promulgated, is because there's all these other ways the government's going to try to kick out the case anyway. I mean, getting that statute of limitations adjustment and adopting the Sixth Circuit process isn't necessarily going to stop the government from doing all these other things. But the last thing we want, the way we saw, you know, because Namikas is a friend of the court, we wanted to inform the court of all these other sort of mechanics that the government says are available that in reality aren't. I mean, that's sort of right. They're theoretically available, but experience tells us otherwise. Well, I, I know I always remember the Gaithel case where they published a regulation. And it, and this is Magnuson-Stevens Act. It's like 30 days. It's mm-hmm. different. But, yeah. but uh, they published the regulation, but then they kept putting off the time they were going to enforce it. So all the regular people regulated didn't think anything was going on because nothing was happening to them. But then when they brought the case, statute of limitations ran. Yeah, and, and in that instance, you know, and again, Magnuson Stevens is a little different. It's 30 days. But, like, it, it's hard to watch that scenario and not think on some level the government sort of knew what it was doing. Played well, people. Right, they played people. And they get away with it because the statute of limitations comes in and says, well, you let it run. And, and at that point, at least in that case, the fishermen weren't injured yet in the sense that they didn't have to pay money for what the government was regulating them to do at that time. Right. So uh, any final thoughts? We have about 25 seconds. No, I mean, I think I think for, you know, it's, it's a really wonky in the weed sort of procedural question, administrative law question, but it's going to have tremendous effect 
on the availability of judicial review for everyday Americans, and I think that that's deeply important. And I think there's an equal protection thing here because just because you start a new company, you just have the same rights everyone else had to challenge a regulation. Exactly. All right. We'll be back in a moment. Thank you, Kara, for joining us. Happy to. Happy to. 